0: On today's episode of Gathering the Kings.
1: Anybody who's a contractor has been in this industry, you know that the first feeling people have when they sit down with you is like fear and they don't know why they're hiring you and who they should hire and what questions they should ask and there's no standardized process. And I think that we're one of the only industries left that, that that is the way it is. I don't like initial feeling people have is this distrust. So, yeah. so it's really important to me that we change that at scale. And that's one of the reasons why I switched to a is because we can affect a whole lot more lives with a hundred offices and 200 offices and right. 300 offices. Now, residential construction companies and contractors have earned the reputation of not necessarily being the most trustworthy and charging too much and change orders and schedule and all the things.
0: So it's uphill battle, but we're passionate about that. You are listening to Gathering the Kings with Chaz Wolf, featuring fellow seven, eight, and even nine figure business owners who have real battle scars from business and life, but have prevailed as the king that they are designed to be. We welcome high performing entrepreneurs to the stage in order to reveal the real of the real on what it takes to build a successful business today. We dissect the good and bad decisions they've made along the way that give a true and accurate picture of the journey of success and how you too can get there. Through this dialogue, you will learn the value of growing your network and surrounding yourself with power players and kings like today's guest. Grab your pen and notebook because we're about to dive in. What's up, everybody? I'm Chaz Wolf, Gathering the Kings podcast. Today, I've got Stacy Ekman here on the King stage. My brother, Stacy, how you doing? I'm doing well, thank you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely, man. You know, we were just talking off air. It's Monday morning, fresh early, but then, but then I realized that you were Pacific time. Holy moly, it is really fresh early Monday your time. Thank you for being here, dude.
1: Just so course. appreciate that. Well,
0: thank you. It's exciting. I like it this time. It's it's best because the office is quiet, so it's a good time to records, That's, right. That's right. There's, there's something in that. Maybe if the listener is paying attention, if they don't already have a early morning routine, they might pick up a little extra nugget there from you, but Stacey, tell us what kind of business that you got, brother. Well, we've got a few,
1: my main business I started 10 years ago was Ekman construction company Love it. and w- that company is currently just announced. We're going through a transition becoming a Lair Homes Kirkland and the is a franchise. It's the biggest custom home and large scale remodel company in the world. Wow. And we're office number 95 in North America. So we, we own the franchise there cool. and that transition is ongoing. It's challenging, exciting, a lot of work, a lot of early mornings. Yeah. Uh, and then yeah. I have another business that we, that I acquired in 2021. It's a fencing company. So that's Contour yes. Fence and we do residential and commercial cedar chain link vinyl iron fences and gates that's that's a great business i'm excited to get that and then i do some real estate investing and development as well yeah
0: nice get your hands full plates full but here you are rocking and rolling on a podcast so there's got to be a reason why you're doing all that that's my first question to every guest not only why are you doing it, but at this level, you've obviously been successful for a period of time. You haven't slowed down. You haven't sailed off into the sunset yet. Why?
1: What's the bigger, what's the bigger picture for you? My dad was in construction as well. He owned a small construction company. And I really have a passion about changing the way people feel about residential construction companies. We build okay. custom homes. So we build four clients. we do all, I do a couple of spec houses a year, but that's not my main business. Anybody who's a contractor has been in this industry, you know, that the first feeling people have when they sit down with you is like fear and they don't know why they're hiring you and who they should hire and what questions they should ask. And there's no standardized process. And I think that we're one of the only industries left that, that that is the way it is, you know, you go buy a car, you can go to any Toyota dealership. And you know, that you're going to test drive it. You're going to go sit with the finance guy. You're not going to send the contract to your attorney to mark up and go back and forth. It's, you know what to expect. Yeah. I, I don't like that feeling of like the initial feeling people have is this distrust. So, yeah. so it's really important to me that we change that at scale. And that's one of the reasons why I switched to a is because we can affect you know, a whole lot more lives with 100 offices and 200 offices and right. 300 offices as it grows, and we can really change what a whole community and and population feels when they are thinking about construction companies. Now, residential construction companies and contractors have earned the reputation of not necessarily being the most trustworthy and charging too much, and change orders and schedule and all the things. So. Right. It's an uphill battle, but we're passionate about that. Yeah. That's my, like, reason for equity construction is I wanted, because I saw how it affected my dad. He's the most honest human being on earth, and people yeah. still felt that way, right? So that's yeah. kind of what made me want to do Yeah. But I think that, like, life over overarching everything is, is, is why I keep going, is I worry... Uh, really afraid of regretting at the end right when i get to the end like yeah looking back and saying man i just wish i would have just went a little harder or took that risk or done that thing so right is my biggest driver is i do not want to get there and say man i just needed one more day i almost made it i almost got what i thought i wanted
0: whatever yeah that is. yeah yeah yeah, there's a there's a real fear there for achievers. And and I think that that, that feeling even if the listener also has that feeling, it might, might stem from something different, you know. It could stem from your upbringing, it could stem from you know, it could from a lot of different things actually. But it is interesting how that is a driver, like a major driver, you know. Do you feel and this is more so for the listener, I'm pressing into this a little bit. Do you feel when you wake up that 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 fear that we're talking about I don't get the feeling that the, you know, the minutes that we've been talking here, even before we hit the recording button, I didn't, I don't get the feeling that you're a fearful guy, that you're operating out of fear. But what you just described was that like, oh, I don't want to get to the end. So I'm, I'm, so I'm X, Zing now, which is, a which is, you know, like it's a delayed gratification. It's a little bit of fear. You know, like we can, you can kind of paint that however you choose, but I don't get the feeling that you're a fear guy. So how do you, how do you wake up with that feeling of like, oh, I don't want to miss out, so I'm going to press in. What does that look like? Or what does that feel like on the inside of you every day?
1: It just feels like ambition and, and excitement about the next thing and, and where we're going and, and how I'm developing the processes and, and my team and all of the people around me, That's helping nice. them improve. I think that I definitely don't operate out of fear in the business sense, you know, I take a lot of what I hope are good risks. You know, some um, of them work out, some of them don't, but I, you know, I just keep it pushing. And that's right. I think the fear is that I'm afraid of being too afraid to do the thing. So I just yeah. do the next thing, you know, I, that is my life motto or, or what I live by is just do the next thing because these yeah. things that I want to do are Enormous, you know, but, and, and if I just, and it's like the simplest and I learned that when I was going through a really hard time in my life and it was literally like, just like the next minute and the next hour and okay, now it's time to brush your teeth and now it's time to go to bed and, you know, and, and, and it, the simplest of things. And so I break it down just like that. Like this morning it was like, okay, the next thing is I gotta do this podcast. I don't love talking. On, on camera and I don't yeah. love all this, but it, the next thing is, okay, I got to prep a little bit. I got to think about it. I got to yeah. watch a couple. I got to yeah, I got to figure it out. So that yeah. was the next thing. And so, yeah. and then all of a sudden I'm here, you know, and
0: we'll get through this and the next thing will be, you know, my, my first meeting with one of my leadership. Yeah. Yeah. What I'm, What I'm hearing from you is that of course it's not fear. I'm glad that we kind of made the distinction there because I think the listener could have, you know, maybe grabbed onto that because you're right. It's not fear. What I'm hearing from you is that it's permission permission to go for it. Like, I don't want to get to the end and regret. So it's not fear today. It's actually permission. It's like, no, like go for it. Take the risk, take the chance, get up, just do the next thing. Don't worry about, you know, kind of like the rest a little bit. Don't be regretful. Just like, go for it. Is that, is that what I'm, am I hearing the right thing? Yeah. It's
1: yeah. Fear might've been the wrong word. It's like, I am not going to get to the end and regret it. You know, oh, that's, that. that's,
0: it is, I'm just not, that's not going to, happen. you know, yeah. that's unacceptable. So I'm just going to keep going. You know, I I hope the listeners paying close attention, dude, we could end this podcast freaking right now. And that sentence that you just said it, like, I hope they, they, if, if I'm like a tonality, you know, voice like person. And if you go back and listen to Stacy's inflection, his conviction and what he just said, I just got chills. like. He there's no chance he's getting to the end and it not being exactly how he wants it. Period. And that is that is like a you want to call it definiteness of purpose. My goodness. All right, dude. We got to keep rolling. Tell me, tell me how you got into construction. Obviously, it was your dad. Tell me a little bit of the backdrop, like beforehand, you know, all the fun stuff. Well,
1: I didn't really want to do construction necessarily. As the story I, goes. Yeah. But how I you know, I, I learned the trade with dad a little bit. Worked with dad, so I knew how to do it. And, yeah, yeah. You know, I was broke. I was I had, I had no no dollars, so I could do that and make some money. And and yeah, I was doing it just kind of on the side and and on the weekends and kind of accidentally got forced into getting a business license because I was operating out of business rules here in Washington State. And and yeah, I got an opportunity to do that. And so I did that. And then next thing you know, I was here. I think that, you know, entrepreneurship in general, for me, I probably always had it a little bit, you know, I was always, you know, whether it was baseball cards or, or bicycles or whatever it was. But I think that where it really kicked in for me that I was, again, I was in the I was, I had no, no money and I was living at a friend's house and, and had no way to pay them anything. And he and I decided one night that we were going to look on Craigslist and find (laughs) free couches. and we were going to take them to the car wash and we were going to clean them, shampoo them, and then we're going to put them back on Craigslist in the morning and and make some money. The first couch went amazing. Like we got it for free and it was actually a nice couch and uh, we got 80 bucks for it or something. And it was like, but we have made it. I had a pickup truck and we just kept. We we just kept doing it. We ended up getting a storage unit and we had them lined up in there, stacked up. We would get them like on the 28th to 30th because people were moving out of their apartments. They couldn't sell them. They had to get rid of them. Then we'd sell them. That's right. One through five the next month. And that got me like excited about, you know, buying and selling things and, and, you know, thinking about efficiencies and how we do that. And can we sell the thing before we unload it? Can it still be in the back of the truck? Or can we drop it? You know, it's, we'll sell it for 60 bucks. If we don't have to unload it, if we unload it, then we got to sell it for 80, you know, so yeah, it got me thinking about that. Love it. And then I got into, got into business, you know, down the road, you know, years later or whatever, I ended up getting into business and I really enjoyed the business side of construction. I didn't think that, you know, I, like I said, dad's business was a small company, it was him and one guy usually. Right. And so I, I did, I'm from a small town. I'm from Yakima, Natchez, Washington, which is outside of Yakima. And I just didn't see it as a, a business, you know, I just always thought it was a man, I'm going to show up swinging a hammer my whole life, you know? Right. Yeah, and exactly. I, once I got into business and I started meeting some other contractors and learned what like Microsoft Excel was and oh, wow, <laughs> that's what an estimate is, you know, I was pretty, pretty rudimentary 10 years ago when I started and awesome. I got excited about all of that and then. Developing myself and my team. Yeah. And all that. So, so, yeah, that's
0: how we're here. <clears throat> yeah, fairly natural progression. I, I, what I loved about that just a few minutes there is that it wasn't just this like paved out path, even though, yes, your dad was in the trade, it wasn't necessarily like you had this like, hey, here's exactly how to do it. You still had to kind of like stumble upon those things. And actually, the last thing that you just said there, which is very similar to my story, which, you know, like you just get excited about learning and, and like, oh, If we did it like this, then maybe we could do it like this. And then, Oh, Excel. Hmm. This is this. Ooh, let me, let me, let me tinker with this for a second. And then, Oh, but it can do this and it can do this. And, and if I, it's like just the excitement of that propelled you to the next thing, which actually goes back to what you just said about the why it's like, just next thing, just the next thing, just the next thing. Right. Yep. Exactly. I think. And then, you know,
1: at some point I started to realize that it's more efficient for me to You know, I got to a point with Microsoft Excel that, you know, it's, I can get my way around a spreadsheet and I can build a spreadsheet and all that, but well, it's best for me to hire somebody who's really good at that, you know, and then I can go and learn almost enough of, of something different and, and just keep growing those, those,
0: that team behind. Yeah. I love it. Okay. Let's talk about, I mean, you've got, you've got a decade plus of, of business ownership here. So I want to dig deep here. What is a good decision that you've made even early on potentially, where you can look back and you go, I would do this over and over and over again. What is it? A couple of things. Okay. First, most importantly, I picked the right wife. Yes. She
1: has been amazing. She lets me work. She knows that I'm passionate. She's passionate as well. She believes in me. It's really important. I think it's very important. And, but then, you know, on the business side. When I realized that the goal was to hire people that were smarter than me, that were better at that thing than me, you know, and I remember, I absolutely could not afford to hire my first production manager. I had a couple of project managers. I had, I had obviously carpenters and things like, yeah, but I mean, things were like not going really well. Profitability was not there and it's just, just like, oh my gosh, I, I, I and I couldn't afford it. I, I had a mentor who was telling me that you need a production manager. You need somebody who understands the like finances of a project. You understand the finances of a business, but project by project and task by task and yeah. somebody that can deal with that while you sell and run the business. And mm-hmm. I, Tim, I can't, where's where it going to come from? I don't, I'm not paying myself. Like I, he said. Yeah, well, you're never gonna. And so I just did it, and 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 I hired a guy. I I moved him here from. He was down in Oregon. I moved him up here, and it was amazing. It, it he was perfect for the time we were in. It was when we were like, I think we were at like three million a year at that time, and then you know he got us to eight, really get up to about six, but then it was a little much for him, you know, and so then we've. He moved on to another three million dollar company where he's really happy, and and you know, and then I've then I brought in VP of operations and an estimator, and and you know, a real leadership team now that has has got us to where we are today. But making that decision to even when you don't feel like you, I couldn't see the the end of the, I couldn't see the light, you know, but just trusting that somebody that I was asking for advice knew the right answer and, and yeah. to just do it. And just, I mean, it was like, what, what's the worst that could happen? I'm, I'm not going to make it without them. So write it out. Right. So I think once I, like the actual answer there is that I would hire the right position over and over and over again, even if it is going to cut into my salary or, or, or profitability for a while, because the Long game is is there. We develop a company instead of a job. You know, I had, a, I had a job that I was
0: I was building for myself. Yeah, we got. I got several questions here. <laughs> I love this answer. I've I've gone deep on this topic. In fact, in one of my companies, I just made this same decision like last week. I'm going okay. PNL says we shouldn't. Means we should. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's time. <laughs> okay, so inside of that, the listener potentially might be thinking. All right. Well, you said you didn't have the money, but you did it anyway. That doesn't make sense. Where'd you get the money, Stacy? I mean, we had,
1: we had flow, right? We had, well, not necessarily positive flow, but there was money, <laughs> right? There, there was money. And I don't recommend being in that position right. because that's how contractors have earned the, the, right. you know, the reputation of being overbilled and, 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 but I was already there, so what I did is, is I said, okay, I'm going to hire this person, and I, mean, I couldn't train them because I didn't know the position. I couldn't hire for them, so I had somebody help me hire, and mm-hmm. then I said, okay, once I do that, I'm just going to get out of his way entirely, and I'm going to trust that he knows what he's doing in that position, and then I have to go sell. Yeah. We've got to grow. I've got. I've got sell a bunch of jobs and get the company financially in a spot where we can sustain his salary for yeah. at least a few months until it starts to work. And right. It worked out. Yeah. I, I was not operating in fear. I was going
0: yeah, Exactly. It's the opposite of that. You were like, here we go. I'm jumping. You know, I really hope the listeners paying attention because you gave super clear, like, this is how you can go do it even if you don't have it, which for the brain that's like, I don't understand. One plus one is two. It's like, no, not always. And, and sometimes you just got to get in and kind of figure it out. What I also heard underneath you say is that, okay, well, negative, positive flow, there is flow. Well, what that means really is that when you hire somebody like that, you're not making a, an 80 or $120,000 decision. You're making a $6,000 a month decision. Exactly. And okay, so when you break it down like that, you're like, okay, well, worst case scenario, I hire this guy who's supposed to be great. I'm helping, this other guy's helping me hire him. He's supposed to be great. I'm gonna get out of his way. I'm gonna give him 60 days, 90 days, whatever the scenario is. Okay, so we're talking about an $18,000 decision. Well, I gotta go sell one more house. I can do that. So now you start breaking down worst case scenario. Now, okay, now I'm practical. Okay, I can make this decision. That's how I actually jump off the ledge and make that decision. The, the, the other part of it is, like, you just got to do it. <laughs> but if you, can, if, you can, if you can do the math a little differently, then sometimes it works out a little bit better. The, the freedom that you had in that moment to then go sell, or maybe the pressure. Talk yeah. about that for a second. Yeah. yeah.
1: I never, well, rarely, and never is a big word, but I rarely, like, feel the pressure to sell. I'm not much of a salesman. I just sure. sit with people and explain to them how I don't want to change the way they feel about, it. but you know I'm just selling an experience yeah. that's right uh, explaining an experience and it in that moment, it gave me the confidence that if I sold it, we were going to execute. Yeah. you know, I could pass it down, and I didn't need to follow it all the way through all the processes, and I didn't need to hold the client's hand. I could hand it sure. off once I got it. "Quote unquote," sold, and that gave me the the, well, the confidence in that moment when I was talking to the client. I mean, that comes across whether you pretend like you're confident before right. and talk somebody into believing you're confident about the, your process, or or right. you know when it's real, it, people can feel that. You know, you, you know, just have a different demeanor, and so I was selling. Got I got really efficient at that and improved at that. And we were better at estimating because I could actually, I wasn't doing all the estimating as well. And, and right. so it was, it was just better. And then, then I could start picking the jobs because I didn't need, uh, for the longest time, it was like, I have to sell the shovel. I don't care if it's a, a, a ditch that needs dug. we got to sell it because we need the flow. I got right. that 6,000 bucks. I need it to pay Production manager, you know that's right. So, but once we got to where we were profitable on the jobs, I was able to say, okay, well, we don't actually dig ditches, you know, where we build houses. So,
0: right. you know, yeah. it, it put me in a better spot. Yeah, there's so many like building blocks here that you just identified. So, I, I not I, know, I sh- appreciate you sharing that, but it's it is true. When you, as long as I think the mindset of the owner in that moment is to then go do the next thing in the business, as opposed to you know sip of my tie somewhere <laughs> that that's not going to help with the flow right so hire the guy that you need or the gal and get out of their way and go sell some other projects and or the next level of your business go go take it to the next elevation because that's the only way that number one you're going to pay for the thing that you just did number two that is growth it's the desire for the next thing in fact actually this is kind of cool i heard this past weekend this guy I was watching he's talking about desire and the fact that it's not like, be content. You can be satisfied, like thankful for where you're at, but to have a desire for more, the want of more, which is where you were in that place. You're like, okay, if I stay at 3 million, okay, it's gonna always be like it is, which isn't necessarily great. It's, it's all right, but it's not great. I want more, okay? So in order to get more, you had to like creatively put your mind into a situation where you thought of a different solution, which was hire somebody better than you, and then be able to like force yourself into like, okay, I gotta go get to the next level. So anything else you wanna add there before we move on? No, I think that that that,
1: that describes it really well, that I just, I'm always wanting the next thing, the the more, and it's not always more money, but the better company and the better processes. And, and I think that the only way to do that for me that I've learned is the only way I'm able to do that is I build the company before the sales, yeah. right? Like it, 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 well, simultaneously, but I'm always yeah. over delivering the experience, it sounds like. Yeah, exactly. I treat the, the $2 million client, like the $8 million client, man, they get the same service level because when my team, when it's, when we get the $8 million client yeah. and the $12 million client, I needed them to have already gone through that process, even though
0: it was only on a smaller project, you know? So yeah, yeah.
1: It, yeah. it, it, we just keep building.
0: Yeah. And In, inside of gathering the King's mastermind, we call it grateful, but not done this position that you were just talking about of like, thankful for the $2 million guy. We don't want to always necessarily serve just the $2 million guy or the $200,000 project, whatever the scenario. I want more. I want more. And it's okay. It's okay to want more. It's okay to want to go to the next level. Like you said, I love you gave a, a good a good picture of a better team, a better operation, a better company, a better brand. It doesn't always necessarily have to equate to more money. although it's oftentimes the measuring stick. Yeah. All right, well, Stacy, tell us about a bad decision. You did something that caught you some bruises and we wanna stay far away. What is it? That for me is a tough one. Uh, okay. I, I I have made a lot of bad decisions,
1: yeah. but I make them quick and then and, and I pivot quick. So yeah. Good. I don't have any that I would necessarily do different. I think that that same exact time yeah. when yeah. I hired the production manager, yeah, I didn't understand my numbers and up until that point, sure, I thought that there was always there was always money in the bank. You know, there was always money, but when I realized how much of that money was clients' money that we had not produced on yet, opposed to what was our money, and and how what, none of it was our money. And we didn't have all the client's money at that moment. That was the moment that Tim told me, you need a production manager. So I was not only, should I not afford it? I was like in debt to these projects already. Yeah. And that feeling, we won't ever be in that spot again, because that was it. I was, I, I was, I felt fear in that moment. Yeah. Because my goal was to to do it diff to be different than what you hear about companies going out of business and leaving projects half done with right clients money and all that. My my that was the I was I was accelerating how people feel about yeah construction companies and so yeah I I won't get to a spot where I don't understand my numbers. I that the I knew that to get things the ship righted. I needed to kind of continue down that path for a little while. I needed to sell like crazy and I needed to hire somebody that I couldn't afford, but that worked. And then once we got to back to even, we, we won't do that again. We've got an amazing finance team here that, that takes care of all of that and keeps us, you know, right side up. I mean, I just, I like, I could not sleep at night. I was so uncomfortable with that. Not because like, I didn't have anything for them, but they, you know, like, I wasn't like, wow. at that point I, I wasn't married yet. You know, I, it was not like, yeah, they weren't coming to get a house. I didn't have a house at the time, you know, <laughs> so that the, they could have the truck loan, you know, like come and get it, you know? Right. But just what I was, go- how I was going to let those people down and let my dad down and my family, and I'd been telling everybody how I'm going to change the way people feel about residential construction companies. And I was going to be on the front page of the paper of the guy that, you know, was just like everybody else. So yeah.
0: I won't get in that spot again. Yeah. That's for sure. What do you know now or what in that moment did you need to learn? Because when you say numbers, okay, fine. So your 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 cost analysis, you know analy- analyzing your cro- your costs, your your project, the flow, the timeline, there's lots of different nuances that go into either project management or even if we're talking about, you know, a year in PL PL. What were some specifics that you didn't know before, but that you knew maybe through the PM or once you kind of started to like grasp this, that your finance team, like for sure, for sure does now that you'll never get in that spot again. What are some of those practicals?
1: We do our financial tracking sheets per project. At the end of every month, the project managers own that process, which yeah. in, which includes a cost to complete. So at the time, now we're 100% cost plus, right? Yeah. So So we're not... Fixed price, but at the time we were mostly fixed price, okay. and so those fixed price projects, it's uh, you can easily get yourself in a bad spot if you've got slippage that you're not catching. You're not realizing that 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 that, that the hundred thousand dollars that you think you've produced sixty thousand dollars worth, so forty of it is technically yours. That would be an amazing project, but eighty of it, you know, and 20, yeah. 20 of it is technically yours. But then you realize that you still got eight thousand dollars left on the project to complete or left on that. You had some slippage when it was only supposed to cost 80. Now it's going to cost 88. And, and you don't, if, well, you, I just wasn't keeping score, right? If you're not keeping right. score, you're losing. And that's right. That whip report, work of progress report and all that. And then actually doing an over under billing entry every month so that, you know, okay, we did a million dollars in a month is what money came in, but right. we only produced $600,000 worth. We reverse that, you know, so we operate on a, it's an accrual basis, but it's, it's a percentage of complete basis. So we actually take that revenue, that 400, that is an ours. we do a journal entry and, and pull that out of our revenue right. and that right. we kick to the next month, And that keeps us, keeps it clean, diligent. You know, we can, I can open it up and look at it. So yeah. there's that. And then this overall slippage of, uh, with, with, you know, I learned about that, that it, it's, yeah. Yeah, you know, when you're just selling and doing all the estimating and you're just trying to get to the next, the next project and you know, you need cash and all that, right. It's eye opening when you realize how much money gets lost in time, days that you yeah. go over a schedule and then, you know, just spending a little bit more and not tracking change orders that conversation so
0: yeah you know it, it's it's interesting in my retail franchises it's the same thing i remember being early on and thinking that you know i had a little bit of money and uh, you get to the end of the month and you know i've got a nine thousand dollar tax bill sales tax that i collected that i was just passing through and it was like dang that was not even my money but it was in there giving me false hope the whole month and it's the same same exact thing that you're talking about and it, so <clears throat> whether it's sales tax or whether it's, you know, the flow of someone else's money. I mean, whatever that scenario is, it gives us this like fog where we can't make good decisions is what you're saying. Mm-hmm. The decisions that you need to really be able to determine how to get to the next level. So like what you said, being able to decide what projects to do, you <laughs> there's no way for you to determine whether you like this project or you don't like this project because you didn't know, you just were saying yes. But once you start doing the math, you're like, that was a lot of work for not, we're not going to do that anymore. (laughs) Like it becomes like super obvious. Yes. Yes. It, 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 once you can start making decisions based on data, yeah,
1: it's a game changer when you're making decisions 100% based on feelings or, or, or yeah, feelings and emotions and just wants like what you think you want, you know, like it, it, it's impossible to make a good decision. Well, regularly, you know, sometimes yeah. you, sometimes you nail it, you know, you're like, yeah, that worked, but you don't know why it worked. So you don't know what, what part of that project you should do again, or, yeah. you know, that's what the, like everything in life, you know, mm-hmm. when you buy a car, if you don't go in there with some data about what you want and what you should get and what it should cost and all those right. things, yep. you leave there and you're like, what, yeah. what, what, what am, am I driving? driving? You know, I should have got that car. I like that car a lot, you know, and all of a sudden you start looking into it.
0: And you made a bad decision, so getting some data before making those decisions is, is important. Yeah, I want to give the, the listeners one last piece of encouragement because you may be in a business that's maybe small right now and you're listening to Stacy talk about you know having this data and just then you know making quality decisions. It doesn't happen overnight and it's okay that it doesn't happen overnight. It's going to be a progression of you making a decision, going, okay, I'm going to know my number, whether you're in construction or in marketing, it doesn't really matter. Per client or even per month or per quarter, however you're like breaking that down. You got to know the inflow and the outflow so that you can make decisions. And that's going to, gonna over the course of the next 30, 60, 90 days, 120 days, like really work into this. You also haven't said this, but you said it. Underneath all of that, this guy named Tim was giving you advice. I'm going to guess that he was your business coach, which was an investment that you made in a time where you said you weren't even paying yourself very much. Like We haven't even talked about that decision. So if you're listening right now, be encouraged that, literally Stacy was paying someone else to have him like take in good advice and then also it took time to implement this so you want to get to Stacy's level it's okay you may not be there today but you'll be there one day anything that you want to add there before we move on just that that you know you say 30 60 90 days you, you will start
1: noticing once you start looking at data or like just asking to see some data or figure out how to even develop the data it gets better quickly in that 60 90 days but This all started happening seven years ago where I made this decision to do this. And like every single week, I meet with the finance team and we think about how our data could be better, what we could look at differently or what we were messing up, you know? Oh man, that, that whip report, ah, that's not quite right.
0: You know, so it's, it's a never ending thing of data, you know? Yeah. Yeah. We got to get, got to go to the next level. If the data is what got you here, data in a different way is probably what's gonna get you to the next level. Yes. All right, well, let's go to the speed round here. We've talked about uh, your decisions and even just a little bit of your process there, knowing the data, I think that that's just super applicable. What, what is the thing that you're tracking, the data point, if you will, If you could only pick one. What is that?
1: If I had to pick one, it'd be sales. Okay. It's a tough one, because I feel like the right thing to say is client satisfaction, or the right thing to say is employee satisfaction. Or the right thing to say is gross profit, but none of that
0: exists if you're not, if you're not closing deals, right? So yeah. you, you got to start with sales. Yeah. It, it's so interesting to, obviously I get answers of all of those <laughs> and to be able to see the, the, the math basically. So for you, <clears throat> a sales number, and then you can go, you know, all the way back down to the, the rest. And, and that's in essence how we need to run our business. It's not that we don't have access to other KPIs. We need to be able to quick glance, make a decision, move, pivot. Like you said, you haven't had these detrimental decisions because you've pivoted quickly. And a lot of times that's being able to see things and watch trends and make decisions. And you don't know that unless you know what KPI to watch. So for you, it's sales. I love that. Anything else you want to add there? Nope. What book, what, what book or resource would you recommend for a business owner trying to grow?
1: Well, I'm trying to grow. I really like Never Split the Difference. Great book. I, I also one that like
0: really made a
1: big difference in like how I ran the business was Leaders Eat Last. Um, Simon Sinek. Yeah, that's a great book. I, well. I literally changed how I looked at my job. You know why? As it, because I. I realized that I, my job, quote unquote, had shifted from owning a construction company to being a leader. And I have always kind of been a natural leader. People follow me for a certain amount of time, you know, until they realize that I'm just kind of like going, you know, I, I don't know, I try to wear people at. I'm go, 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 you know? But I realized that what I needed to really start doing was develop leaders instead of just have this people following and that 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 book again that i read it at a time in my life where i was really struggling with leadership team here and they were we weren't great leaders i read a couple of chapters kind of just opened it up there's a long story we could do a whole other podcast about what has actually developed from that book in my life wow but it, it, I opened it up and, and a whole bunch of kind of serendipitous things happened right around it all at the same time. And I was like, wow, which is ultimately it's, I think it's probably why I'm, why I'm doing the whole thing, because more yeah. serendipity happened just because, and, and I, I tend to like, I'm not the big, like, you know, fruit frou guy, but man, when, the when someone smacks you in the face a few times, you say, oh,
0: Jay, you know, I, you I should know. probably spread the attention. You know, I... I think that's so honest, though, Stacey. I mean, I, you know, the kumbaya, the frou-frou, the get-together, the, the, the rah-rah. Look, no, I don't think any of us, you know, regular guys doing extraordinary things like we talked about before the recording, I don't think any of us, like, necessarily like patch that on ourselves that we like that stuff, but it's still meaningful. And when you pay attention to the little things, you're like, okay. What I love about what you said is you opened up a book about leadership, and then other things started happening at that time. It's not that those things maybe weren't happening. Possibly they were. Your mind opened when you read the book. You started paying attention. You started seeing the things that were happening around you, potential opportunities with a rebrand that aligned with what it is that you actually were saying that you wanted. That's exactly right. I don't remember what they call that, but it's like when you think,
1: oh, I want to." I really like yellow Ferraris. All of a sudden you see them everywhere, you know?
0: Yeah. 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 A greater or lesser desire when you can clearly state what it is that you want, or in this case, you read a book that's like, whoa, like, yes, I've, I've, I haven't thought about it like that before. And, you're, and now your mind's open to the possibilities. And I'm sure you were just like tinkering with solutions for days or even weeks. And that's where your mind just, you're constantly looking to fill the gaps with that, with that equation. What's the solution? How do we solve the problem? And you don't get yourself in that situation. If you're not constantly like agitating the situation or your brain, you know, like reading a book on leadership, oh, I'm already a good leader. Probably why you're not growing as a leader, you know? Exactly. Okay. What, what do you think about intentionally networking or masterminding with other entrepreneurs? I mean, that's great. It's,
1: it's good. I think that my business, a lot of the people that I sell to, or, or the client base of mine are other business owners and entrepreneurs. And so I do that every single Wednesday at five o'clock, there's a restaurant right here in town that, that we have a standing reservation for two and Alyssa, my assistant, she finds a new architect or a builder or anybody that might want to sit down and have dinner or, or cocktails and we do that and i get so much out of it i've been a part of a few different construction based groups yeah you know i spent time and money and and to go all over the country to meet with these people and and learn about each other's businesses and things like that and now with a lair it's more of that you know every single wednesday as well we have a partner call that's 140 of us on a call and you know, they always teach us, somebody speaks and teaches us something and everybody does shout outs. we talk about, you know, good things that have happened and bad things that have happened. And I think that it's, it's valuable. And the, the, but the real value there is you end up getting some connections with, you know, more personal connections with other businesses that are kind of like yours within that 140. And you start talking regularly and you start asking each other questions. And it, it, what I think it, the value of it for me especially when it's within industry and within like the same company, this Allaire deal is that our innovation or the way we learn and and change things within our companies, I don't have, it doesn't have to all be my idea anymore. I don't have to run into a wall and say, oops, we better go right instead of left there, which is how I would train my staff. It's how I developed everything. It's okay, we're gonna go, 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 and then we're gonna hit something. We're gonna okay, back it up and go around that wall and go 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 till we hit something. Now it's like, hey man, you did this before. What did you hit? What what where should I go right? You know, and so it it really helps us accelerate that that
0: flywheel of of who we are and and where we're going. So I I think it's it's extremely valuable. Yeah, there's uh, what I heard you say. There's there's some humility in there. You're you're coming to the table with an already extremely successful business. And, uh, but yet you're still willing to reach out to the other guy. He's in the same business you are, or maybe even he wasn't, he's an architect. He's coming to have a dinner with you or cocktails. I just, both of those examples are just super practical ways. I think that uh, have grown you and anybody listening can do both of those like super easily. It Your five o'clock standing a reservation is right here for me. Like I get to meet one, two, three, sometimes four or five entrepreneurs all across the country, right here across Zoom. And like i was telling you before we hit the recording but sometimes that turns into a deal sometimes that turns into maybe a mastermind client maybe maybe a a friend that needs to know a friend maybe it's a two guests that need to know each other i don't know but here it is standing it's a standing reservation so you just just shake hands get to know people i love that i got a question for you about about family every entrepreneur we've talked about you know good decisions bad decisions We've talked about the ups and downs of entrepreneurship, the wins, the money, the the lack thereof, the times of press, all of it, right? And what I have found is that 100% of the time that every entrepreneur I've talked to on this stage, as well as many others, is that there's this obsession in the business, right? Like, that's how you become successful. You're dialed in, you're obsessed. Okay, we agree there. But it's also the way that we become successful in our family or as dads or, right, as parents. And so my question is, how have you done both at the same time because I don't believe that it's either or or this thing called balance I think that we have to go hard on all of it so how have you done that well I
1: of course I'm sure I could do better as a dad (laughs) and and as a husband and and all of that just because there is a lot of work you know we all could everybody could could do better but I just I mean I just keep going you know I do I work a lot I get up really early I get up at three I, I start my day at three so that I can be offered a reasonable time. I yeah. can have dinner with the family. I can I can go all over and, and watch watch his baseball, watch Kacen's baseball games and try to participate as much as I can in all of that. I yeah. can't coach, don't have time for that right now, but you know, and coach him on a personal level, one-on-one. That's right. I, I think that, you know, the other way that you do that is is you just like, you just make a commitment. It has to be a priority. And sometimes that's, sometimes I'm really good at that. And, you know, if I'm being totally honest, sometimes I'm not. And that's one of the reasons why Danica, my wife, was such a great choice is not only does she let me do all of that or all the stuff I want to do and and need to do, she also reminds me when I'm not doing this other stuff because she knows that I want to be a good dad and she knows that I want to be a good husband and she knows I want to be a good son and a good brother. So she supports it. Even when it's like calling me out and saying, yes, hey, buddy, you said you wanted to do this and now you're not doing it. And oh, you're right. And if there's one thing about me, like she knows that on, when I die on my gravestone, it's going to say something to the effect of here lies Stacy. If he said he was going to do it, he did it. So it's super important to me. So she knows that's important and she, she holds me to that. And I think that Anything we want, especially people that are driven like you and and people that are listening to this show,
0: if yeah. they want to be a good family, man, they will be. Yeah. Yeah. People do what they want to do. I, I love what you said there about your wife almost being like the ultimate, you know, mastermind member, you know, because that's what, that's what accountability is. That's what, that's what getting together on a podcast like this or on your five o'clock deals or just joining a group or whatever is that you can put out your plans. And I don't necessarily need someone else to hold my hand, but it's just in those important moments where maybe I need a little encouragement or maybe I need a little tough love and go, hey, bud, you said this, but you're not doing this. That can work in the business, guy to guy. And we're like, oh yeah, I'm all about it. But then as soon as the wife does it, it kind of, we we call it nagging, right? Or we call it whatever. It's like, no, no, no. Like she's she's just saying what you said. She's just reminding you of it. And we've also learned that a good way to do that is is we
1: write them down, right? At yeah. the first of the year typically at the first of the year. And we do a check-in a couple of years ago. I guess it wasn't this last New Year's, but the year before I said, Hey, we're going to go out on one date night, every single week, no matter what. And we're going to meet for lunch one day, every single week, no matter what. And, you know, that's all, that's not easy. That's a commitment. It's not easy. It's okay. Thursday nights. Well, hold on a minute. We've got this thing. No, that's not what we said. And first we, we want, them at it you know we'd get three out of four in a month or right we'd go eight in a row and then well she's and got not nothing thing, so. but yeah. then now you know we're a year and four months in and i mean we don't miss it you know and it's really important we we talk about what we want to do as a family you know how we want to be seen to the world or like how, how we want to affect the world as as a couple and as parents and, and those type of things so yeah I think it's really, really important. I also though have a little bit different view of like what it is for me to be a successful like family man. Yeah. And that's like I think the most successful or the most important thing is that I leave something lives longer than me, and I I I will sacrifice yeah. some family happiness for that, because as a family, we're going to do something bigger than just us. You know, and, and I'm going to lead that charge. And everybody says, "I." it's yet to be seen, but you know, you read all the stuff about nurses. They tell you what people say at the last, nobody ever says they wish they would have worked more. Or they wish they would have done this. They all would have spent more time with the family. And I don't, I don't think that'll be me. I think that what I will say, what, what, what I will say is, is did it i'm here i i'm gonna die tomorrow and right there's still something behind and my son gets to either continue that or drive by it every day on his way to work where he wherever he wants to work and tell his wife and his kids that yeah you know grandpa he right. he started that and he did that or you know the state can 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 support you know right. colleges and things like that and and I just believe that if if all you are, all oh, I mean, it sounds like I don't value it, but if 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 you're just a really good dad and a really good husband, and you create something that maybe you're rich, you know, and and things are good while you're here, but like, how many generations rem- remember you? You know, like like obviously, I'm not going to turn into Bill Gates, but his name will never be forgotten because his name's on everything, and he really changed a whole bunch of the way things are for better or worse, whether you like him or not, yep. he doesn't ever die because it's people will say his name for ever. And I think that, you know, best case scenario for a lot of men is that their grandkids maybe talk about her, maybe great grandkids talk about him yep. a little bit, but then it's, right. it's over there. Nobody goes and visits their grave. Nobody says, man, they're going to change my life, you know? Right. so. Yeah. But I think that it's just as important to me. And it's good that I have my wife to balance out and, and keep me yeah. honest with the other stuff though.
0: Yeah. Well, you're right because she, she's in the day, in the day to day. She, she's the one that needs attention and affection today as well as the kids, obviously. But <clears throat> what I heard you say, which is just so right up my alley. Cause I, I, I although I've maybe expressed it differently in different language, the family that you're talking about is just a couple of generations down the road that you're also claiming responsibility for and so you got big shoulders you're like hey i'm going to take care of my kids don't worry about that but i'm going to i'm going to sacrifice a little bit of that so that my kids and their kids and their kids and maybe even their kids have something to build and then even and just as a, like a personal thing to add in here when i started recognizing that it wasn't just about the money like you said it wasn't just about leaving them money or something it was How can I spend time with them, building with them, whether it be in the business or in their mindset, so that whether my kids or my grandkids or my great grandkids, when I'm gone, have the thing that really matters the most is how you think and what you do with it. So you can have the asset, the business, the real estate, whatever, but it's gonna be gone in three generations. That's what stats say, right? So how how do I, in the meantime, spend that time intentionally building them so that way it actually continues part of that is making that sacrifice part of that is that they they
1: Kason, my son he knows why well, he's 12 he's old enough to know why i do it which is hey i'm gonna i don't miss his baseball games right i'm there for those but i'm not home early every day to uh, hang out at the house so but he knows why that is because hey we Ekwins are creating something for the next Ekwins and the next Ekwins. And maybe if we're really, we really do everything that we want to do, it's maybe it's, we're creating something for some other families too, you know, like maybe we're changing that a kid who's 11 years old right now, who their parents are, are just had a house built. Maybe they're going to say like, wow, that was such a great experience. Contractors, man, they, they, they've really turned it around. And so that kid doesn't think that contractors are jerks and take the money. Kids look at, they listen, right. And they're like, well, I don't want to be a contractor, but parents hate them, you know, you don't want that. Right. So maybe that kid becomes a contractor who opens in a lair who continues this Right. generational thing changes his life or her right. life or, you know, it just, it can really grow if you as a family, make a commitment that, Hey, we're going to do this yeah. together.
0: Yeah. It's a family decision. I love it. I got one last question here for you, Stacy You kind of hinted at this at the beginning that uh, you never want to, you know, reach the end and, and be regretful. So my question is this, if you could whisper in the younger Stacy's ear, what would you say? Hurry up. Okay.
1: It took me, it took me, it took me a while to get on track. I, I, I wasted, I don't know, wasted, but I let a lot of years go where I didn't have really an identity. I didn't know who I was. I was drinking and drugging. I'm 40, 41 or 42. I'll be 42 this year. And, you know, so I started this whole thing really trying when I was like, Thirty-one or thirty-two, and and really, you know, I was really just barely getting. Like, I wasn't really trying to build a business. I was just trying to eat dinner at that point. So, what for five years or six years, maybe I've been really right. out and, right. and. If I would have started when I was thirty, yeah, it, I'd be in a totally different spot. So, I think I would say, hurry up and and take care of your knees.
0: Like you're gonna get tired. <laughs> Steve. You know, get gone yeah, get going early. That's awesome. Take some take. What are they? What was that? The vitamin for the knee knee health, fish oil or something. Yeah, sure. that's something, Yeah, exactly. see that's awesome, man. I appreciate the vulnerability. How can the listener find you? Number one, if they're in your area in Seattle and they're looking to build a beautiful custom home, how can they find you? And then also, two, how can they reach out and just pick your brain as a business owner, as a as a contractor trying to change the industry? Well, we've got all of them. So we are. You can find us. On our website, which is
1: www.alairkirkland which is A-L-A-I-R Kirkland.com. There's our Facebook, which is Alaire Kirkland. There's my personal brand, but personal, but Alaire based Instagram, which is Stacey, Stacy, S-T-A-C-Y Ekman, E-A-K-M-A-N. There's our company. Instagram, which is Blair Kirkland, all one word. And then LinkedIn, of course, Stacy, S T A C Y. The last name is Ekman, E I K M A N. That's a great way to connect. And then if you need a fence, And I think that's it. I wrote them all down, but I don't have them in front of me, but I, 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 I think that's it. That's all good. We'll put oh, you an email. you as well. well. You know his email. And okay. my email address is Stacy.com. Ekman, that's E-A-K-M-A-N,
0: AllaireHolmes.com. Love it. Love it. We'll put all that super easy to get in the show notes as well. Thank you for doing that. I just appreciate you being here, man. Like you, 6 a.m. your time here Monday morning. I hope that the listener, not, not not like appreciates that, but what you gave today, being already up for three hours, you know, on a Monday morning was fire, dude. And so I just appreciate not only just the time, but just the fact that you've been doing this thing for long enough to where you could share what you shared today. So. Selfishly, I appreciate that. And thank you for doing that. Blessings on your family and your business, your team, all the things that you touch in 2023. We appreciate you being here. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Gathering the Kings today. I hope that you were able to pull out a few nuggets to go apply into your business right away. More importantly though, I hope that you're realizing that it takes more to be successful than just being by yourself, doing it all on your own, carrying the weight all by yourself. What I have realized not only in my own journey from multiple businesses and multiple different industries and now interviewing literally over two or 300 other very successful seven, eight and nine figure business owners is that it's tough to do it alone. And so Gathering the Kings literally exists to bring together successful entrepreneurs. In fact, we are putting together 1,000 kings specifically who are grateful but not done. I want you to take a look at what we're doing and see if it makes sense for you to be part of our pursuit to 1,000 Kings. Talk soon.